In trouble with the law since he was a child, Glenn spent 23 years behind bars. He was sentenced to 21 years to life in 1980 for the uh, shooting death at a Hudson's Bay store. Uh, the manager during a Brinks holdup. So this Brinks holdup goes down, the manager tries to intervene, and everything goes south. After years of living a violent, crime-filled life, Glenn became a Christian while he was at Kent Institution in 1982, and Glenn's sentence was reduced by the Ontario Court of Appeal to 14 years to life. In 1987, he married his wife Sherry at William Head Institution. Paroled in 1992, Glenn is the founder and co-facilitator of LINC, Link, long-term inmates now in the community. In 1996, Glenn was awarded the University College of Fraser Valley's Volunteer of the Year Award for another program he developed called Partners in Learning, which pairs tutors from Ferndale Institution with at-risk youth in alternative schools in Mission and in Abbotsford, way out in BC. Beauty. Um, Margot fits into this story very interestingly as well. Both of them join us on the phones right now. Margot, um, you are living in the Toronto area, but you're somewhere out west right now. Is that right? That's right, Drew. Thank you for being here. I know everybody says that in the interviews, but I really do appreciate the dynamic that's going on here. And you guys are sharing, uh, you know, your story all across Canada, and I'm sure, you know, down into the States as well. Um Glenn, you're on the line, and when was the last time you and Margot hung out together? It was like yesterday? <laughs> last night, yeah. About 9.30 was the last time I saw her. <laughs> okay. So, look, obviously the hook in this story is that, um, Glenn, you murdered Margot's father. And, yeah, it sounds harsh, it's pretty direct, but it is the truth. And of course, this is this is the thing that makes people's head turn to one side. That really, you guys are now friends, and you're touring around, and you're sharing the story of reconciliation. And most of us can't can't get it. Most of us don't get it. So let me ask you, Margo. Margo, why don't we get it? Like, what is it that makes our heads break when it comes to your story? That's an actually that's a really really good question. I think because um, it's not. It's not common. It just it's not common in media. We read about it in fiction and it just seems like something that's way out there. Like it seems like an impossibility. And because it seems like an impossibility, then folks gay folks will say, Huh? What? You're kidding me. And then Glenn and I speak together individually. Not just in the in the States as well. Um I, I, I'm I also go global, so I've been in um uh, South Africa, etc. The point is, there's something about it that just feels like it's it's wrong. It's really wrong. What I should be doing is wanting to put a bullet in his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that just seems like an easier. It seems like the easy answer. But I have learned that I, I I've met many many people, Drew, and when you actually sit and speak and when we share our story, revenge is actually not the easy answer at all. Well, some may say, Margo, that, you know, you were eight years old when your parents moved here from uh, from Ghana. And, you know, I mean, you were just, you were 16 when this whole thing went down. Um, you know, you're now you're, you're grown up and you can see things in, in a nuanced way. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's all behind you. It's all in the past. So, of course, you can No, you can no, no, it's not all, but it's not all in the past. That's, it's not all in the past. It's very real it's very present i love my dad profoundly i miss my dad every single day but it's in essence because of that love that that he's alive every day inside of me in my in my children and in my grandchildren no it's not behind me at all 
He's sitting right here with me, if you will. Right here. No, 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 it's very present. So now I've not moved on and put it behind me. What I've done is kept a promise that I made to my father, his name was Theodore, to, to Theodore, to my dad when I was 16, leaned over the casket and I said, Dad, I promise you your death will not be for nothing. And I'm keeping my promise. It's not for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's about love and healing and hope and craziness and challenges and crazy conversations when people have said to me, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing, etc. I'm like, okay, you, you can feel that way, but no, we, we are much more than brutality. Okay, now I don't really know your spiritual story, so I'm going to preface this question well, I'm just going to say the question, and you you do whatever you need to with this one. So, <laughs> the and I, forgive me for for not knowing this, but this is my impression. Yes, Glenn, you're the murderer. You're the Jesus guy. Margot, you're the forgiver, and you're not a Jesus person. Is that fair? Sort of. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, but okay. Is that your question? Or well, you yeah, because to because I can jump in. no, I, I think elaboration is certainly needed. Usually, it we, when I hear these kind of forgiveness stories, it's the it's the Jesus people, it's the Christian that says, you know, Jesus died for me, and I so I need to forgive, and you know, blah 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 blah, and, and I found strength in God, and et cetera, et cetera. And this time, it's the other way around. It's it's the murderer. Ugh, I just feel weird saying that in front of you, Glenn. I'm sorry. If I feel like if you and I were at a pub and I said that, you'd take a swing. I would. I would. No, I would. Okay. All right. Um, so do you know what I mean? Like, it is kind of seems yeah. weird and backwards and not the usual stuff. Yeah. Actually, again, this is cool. I, Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But um, I'll, 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 tell you, um, I'll tell you a phrase that um, it's accredited to Erasmus, who was a 16th century humanist. And the phrase is Latin, and then I'll translate it. It is vocatus atque non vocatus deus adorit. You know, I, I was just going to say that. Actually, <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean yes, I am kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, man. <laughs> okay, quick, easy translation: invoked or not, God is there. It doesn't matter to me. You know where I chose? I'm sitting at the Vancouver airport, flying back to to Toronto, and I chose to sit in a specific place. Drew, the place I chose to sit is where I can see the mountains. I can see the mountains because I, I for me. Life, energy, source, possibility resides in nature and the beauty that is nature. And I'm sitting here looking at those mountains. And wilderness, for me, represents something sacred and vast and huge. And nature is a pretty demanding character, if you will. There is beauty, there is complexity, there are all kinds of difficulties, and there is joy. So I'm sitting here, and I was reading one of my, my poems, and I... If you could give me a second, I would like to read something to you quickly to to give you my answer. So the poem that I chose for you from my book, Sabona, a real-life restorative justice story, it's called Wilderness, and it says, I enter knowingly this landscape where possibility sings your praise. Who am I to question grace? Hungry for so very long now, I recognize this grand morsel of sustenance and I eat with gratitude. Wilderness has befriended me, and I have not been abandoned. Mm. Mm. Nice. Really? You wrote this? Yes. Man, I should have just had you on a show on the show as a poet. Forget all this uh, restoration, you know, I story. agree. I Man. totally agree. Me and Glenn sitting here, this is just a silly, ridiculous just... story. You need to. <laughs> Poetry <laughs> saves our lives. Go ask Carl Young. He'll tell you that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Okay, ho- hold on a second. Glenn, I, I got to bring you into this this uh, conversation. And, and again, here we go with the awkward question. Well, it's not an awkward question. It just, I think it's, if I was in your shoes, I would have a hard time forgiving myself. I would have a hard time letting go of my own guilt. Whether I, oh, sorry, and the other side of this is, you know, I can just imagine people saying, well, of course he's into Jesus. That got him out of prison earlier. Mm-hmm. Which one of those do you want to go to first? Well, um, first of all, I, I think that um, I, I couldn't do what I'm doing without being a, believing that Jesus loves me. And as far as the forgiveness part goes, yeah, you know, um, I struggle with that. It's I know that I need to forgive myself, and um, it, it's not an easy thing. I live with my... The, the memories of, of that day every day. Mr. Ben's statements is in my prayers every day. His family's in my prayers every day. And um, I think that mm, God's forgiven me. That's how I can go forward. And not about me forgiving me. It's about Jesus loving me and, and God forgiving me and empowering me to be honest with myself, to look in the mirror. I know I'm not offended when you call me a murderer because that's the truth. That's what happened, and you know I'm ashamed of that, but I have to live with that, and I can't hide that. But with God with me, I can face myself. That's what it really has done for me, and eventually led me to face Margot. Hmm. Oh man, my head is really hurting on this one. Um, I've got Tylenol. Oh, thank you. If you could fax that to me, that'd be great. <laughs> fax it to yeah. you, Drew. <laughs> um, so how did the, I mean, let's just get into the story here. How did this, this reconciliation actually start? And here's, here's what I got in my head. Uh, Margo, you were doing some publishing poetry stuff, and, and you, all of a sudden you get a $100 check from someone with the last name Flett. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And that, yeah. that was, uh, Glenn, that was your wife that sent in this cash? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She thought it was anonymous, actually, but it turned out not so anonymous. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, not me. I'm good. I'm good with it. So, so you would have, yeah, yeah. you would have somehow it was supposed to be anonymous, but you saw the last name Flett, and you went, "Oh, come on, this can't be the same, right?" You co- sort of made that connection, Margo. You know what I said? Oh, come on, this has got to be the same. Sorry to contradict you, <laughs> okay, but I fine. looked at it and I was like, "Holy smokes!" Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I was just I was in awe. But yeah. the phone number wouldn't have been on the check. So how did you connect? Well, Sherry uh, sent the email, so there was an email address, and I simply well after a few moments of um, I will say I cried my eyes out, my heart was throbbing, and I thought finally um, I, I simply emailed back. I just emailed back and asked, "Are you married to John Glendon Fleck, the man who m- murdered my father, Theodore Van Sleitman?" you know, Easter Monday, March 27, 1978. And uh, an email came back right away saying, yes. Um, well, well, it didn't say yes. It said, well, we saw the work that you didn't, and we wanted to support you. And I had a few questions to that in my head, and I thought, put those questions aside. Um, I just said to one of my daughters who was with me, my Jessie, and I said, Jess, I think I'm going to email them and ask for an apology um, which is precisely what I did. I simply sent um, Sherry and said, we didn't mean to cause you harm. I said, you have not caused me harm, but would you mind terribly asking your husband if he would give me an apology, please? Okay, hold on. I got I to ask you this. When I, whenever somebody asks for apology and the apology is given, doesn't that pollute the apology if you have to ask for it? It might. That's a possibility. 
For sure. I mean, that that's one possibility, but there are several possibilities. Um, so it didn't feel polluted when I received it. It might have. If I, if my heart and soul had said, Margot, this guy is effing with you, it's not real. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. sure, that, that would have polluted it. But I've got um, what I might call solid instincts, and I'm a bit of an SOB. And um, I also did a lot of research on what Glenn and Sherry were doing. And I, I sensed that, that it was real. And I trusted my instincts, uh, from which I proceeded three months later to meet Glenn, because I said to him, you can say anything you want on paper, but I would really like to see you. I would really like to meet you. So that's that's sort of cor- uh, a relation to what you've just asked. Sure, is, sure. Is it okay. Garbage or is it real? Yeah. So Glenn, uh, you agreed to the meeting. How was how? <laughs> my goodness, leading up to that meeting, were you nervous? Oh, you must have been nervous. You must have been. I don't know. What were you like? Well, yeah, I, I nervous. I, I was anxious. You know, I was concerned it would go well. But you know, we had emailed so much in in the time before we met that. I, I truly felt that I knew Margot. In fact, uh, uh, a word that we use called Sabono, um, which means I see you. Uh, we we discussed that probably um, probably at least two or three weeks before we met about uh, what that means. Mm-hmm. What that means is that it's not just I see your face. It means I see your heart. I see your humanity, your 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 humanness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd really got to know her because of these uh, lengthy emails we shared. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, the biggest concern was yeah, it wasn't you know going to hurt her. Or that, you know she was going to be okay. Um, but we met at uh, Westminster Abbey in the mission there. But I, we did that in particular. I chose that spot because I know God's there, and I knew that we would be safe. I think that was a really interesting choice to meet to meet at a monastery at a, at an abbey. I I think that's. I mean, because you know, I don't know. Meeting at Starbucks doesn't quite have the same ring to <laughs> forgiveness. And... No, that's for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is? I accepted. I accepted. By the way, so I could have said I, I like Timmy's myself. So I would have said, "Let's meet at Timmy's." But I am. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm a huge fan of Thomas Merton, who was the Trappist yes. monk. I've spent. I've spent time at the Abbey there. Um, of Gethsemane, and the reason I liked Merton was because he was a poet, as am I, and because he basically made a decision to become a monk. He kind of didn't want to. He loved women and booze, but he had a calling, and he accepted it, and I thought, good for you, dude. Like, you know, your instincts are telling you, so give up the chicks, give up the whiskey, and I have not given up, well, I don't, chicks are not my preference, but I I haven't given up the whiskey, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, nor have I. Um, (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Okay, so just because you guys meet, and just because you've created this kumbaya moment at a monastery, and and, and just because there's this forgiveness and reconciliation and, you know, warm fuzzies and everything else, it doesn't mean that you would continue a friendship or or you would enter into a friendship, that this would be a long-term thing. And so let me, at the risk of sounding... Uh, like a pessimistic jerk, I think spiritual. <laughs> it's one of the, my spiritual gifts. Um, Mine too. <laughs> like, are you really actually that a uh, kosher with each other? I mean, there must have been some things come up along the way. It's been a few years. How long has it been since you've been reunited? When when did that happen again? About ten and a half years ago. Yeah. Okay. So there must have been yeah. something along the way that was that has come up where you've sort of gotten there's under been, each other's skin. Bombed. There's been bumps, but it's like any real relationship. Yeah. There are also always bumps in real relationships. So we've had a few bumps, but, you know, I love Margot. Hmm. That's just the bottom line. And, uh, you know, and I wanted, not just because she's a daughter of, of Mr. Vance Lightman. 
I love her because she's a wonderful human being. She's an amazing person. Don't um, tell anybody that, though. I no. don't like it to know that. I, I like I like to be known as an SOB. Yes. Me. Ask yeah. my daughters. They can tell you. Yeah. Ask my siblings. They can tell you. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. They kick me out of home. <laughs> Glenn, uh, well, this might, I think this is going to be tacky and sensationalistic, and I, I think I still want to go ahead with it, but I, <laughs> I would like to... I guess kind of put out there that the reason I want to go ahead with with the playing through of the events of that day as as you remember it, because I really think it actually adds context and weight to this reconciliation story, because right now it's just a sterile reconciliation story. So do you mind if I ask you about the events of that day, or would you rather I not? I, I totally give you... you... Know, I, I feel obligated to be able to, to allow people to question me about that. Okay. You know, it's All one right. of the, the things I gave up when I did what I did. Let me ask you, Margot, are you okay? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. And thank you for... That's very, very kind. Thank you, Drew. Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, look, don't ruin my reputation either. <laughs> well, you know what? You just like nudge mine a little. I was nudging yours. Okay, a bit. all right, yeah. all right. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, you're even now. Yep. <laughs> There's a bit of revenge in me. Uh, <laughs> another spiritual gift, I think. Um, okay, Glenn, what was what was going on that that day for you? What was happening in your world in your life? And and it, to lead you to, to this scenario where you, I mean you're you're packing heat like yeah. not everybody's doing that right right that's right no I mean but I'd been um, I, I was unlawfully at large at the time uh, and I'd uh, been I tied up with a bunch a couple of guys and we were pulling armed robberies regularly and uh, this was just another really armed robbery that was a little different than the ones we'd done before it was the first big score we'd tried and uh, um, yeah it was. Uh, it was, a, it was a beautiful day. I remember it vividly. It's not something that, um, it's not just a vague memory. No. Uh, something you said earlier, you know, you can't put that in the past. You can't, it, that's something that I live with. And, and anything that's that significant, I mean, maybe there's things that have happened in my past that I can forget and put them in the past. But the significant things, like my mom and dad dying, mm. about killing Mr. Van Sleitman, about my children being born, I, I remember sure. every one of those days. And I and I think I hope I'll remember them till the day I die. So, it's pretty vivid in my mind. It was a it was a beautiful March day, and uh, we'd been planning this. We'd looked at about twelve other uh, armored armor car robberies, and this one looked like the easiest one. And it was on a uh, Easter Monday, and um, it, it, we got there. Um, we were just a little late. The Brinks truck had come ahead of us. Through, and we were we were able to uh, catch up to the guard though, and uh, right. And then we uh, he went and got the receipts. And my co-accused had a hammer and a gun. And I had a gun, and um, he uh, got came up behind him as the guard was coming towards the escalators and hit him in the head and knocked him down. And I ran over, grabbed the money bag, and ran down the escalator. And we got to the bottom of the stairs. It was kind of crazy, actually. And one of the things that always sort of amazed me about that day is when I was running down the stairs, my gun popped open and a bullet popped out. And nobody ever found that bullet, actually, I don't think. It never came up in the case. But 
I ran down the stairs and uh, ran around down, turned left and ran down a, a alleyway, and it was like in the men's clothing section um, where our exit door was close to that. And um, I came around the corner after a closing rack. I hadn't seen Mr. Van Sleitman standing there. He was just there all of a sudden, and he got a hold of my lapels, and we swing swung around because he caught me mid-stride, so I actually swung him right my weight my momentum so he turned around his back was then towards my co-accused and I was facing him and um, he said let, let it go son and uh, simultaneously I think I don't know I'll leave my partner and I both shot him wow so the, let's I mean let's just pause there for a second to talk about the profundity of those final words from from your dad Margo let it go no. son yes I will tell you that um, Glenn Glenn said to me that it's close to what Daddy, what my father said. Give it up, son. It's okay. not worth it. That, Give it up, that's son. What it's written. Give it up, son. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, did you have a question about that, true? Yeah. Give it up, to... son. It's not worth it. Um, yes. I mean, so yes. many things could have come out of someone's mouth at that point in time, but I mean, yes. I'm sorry, but as an outsider, that seems to speak to your dad's character in a huge way. Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. And it's, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you two things. I have um, two sisters, an older sister, a younger sister, and a brother, and my brother is the youngest of all of us. And his name is, I will say it, Jeremy Theodore. And when Glenn told me my father's last words, I, I thought of many things. I thought of how, I, I thought of my, my brother, and I thought about something else that will sound very religious, but it is I'm a poet, and language is extremely important to me. So, son, you know, I thought, give it up, son. Mm. You know, it sort of resonated with, you know, like Glenn's Jesus-loving ways. Um, and I just thought there's some, there was something powerful in that. My, my dad was, was a believer. I mean, he was a Catholic. We were all raised Catholic. Um, and, and I have a very, very deep faith. I simply do not contextualize it in some political uh, system where we check boxes. Mm. So th those words, um, when Glenn told me, he released me even further. And it was very generous of him to, to tell me that, courageous of him to tell me that. And he would not have known, but it sort of loosened up a sense of my great big sort of, what happened? What happened? And I do like knowing that. And that is not to make Theodore some good Samaritan or saint. It's not like that. But those last words are quite, they're quite beautiful. And I, I treasure them very, very much. I can imagine. I can only imagine. Good night. Uh, Margot Van Sleitman on the phone with us here and Glenn Flett. They are good friends. Uh, Margot is the daughter of a murdered man, and uh, Glenn is the man who did it. And this story in and of itself, I mean, if that's all you knew, that would be enough for you to pause and take a look inside. And, and I think we all listen to your story and we say, could I do that? Uh, you know, there is, there is forgiveness there. There is also self-forgiveness. And even that, I mean, I want to go back to that just for a second, Glenn. You know, there, there are, there's a thinking within the, especially the evangelical Christian community that says, no, once you are, you become a follower of Christ, your identity changes. So you, you might have murdered someone, but you are not, you are no longer a murderer. Your identity is different now. Have you been able to embrace that? Well, n no and yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I live that. The person I am today, I, I'm... Uh, I am different. I'm a different person today. I am totally different than I was then. Um, 
but I don't know if I. Um, again, I, I I believe that I that God has is carrying the weight for me, but it's there and it'll always be there. I, you know, it's not going to go away. I don't expect it to, and I don't want it to. Right. Okay. Let me. I, I want I want it to continue because it inspires me every day when I feel like quitting. I think about what I've done, and I know I can't quit. Right. I get it. I get it. Okay, Margo, what if Glenn was? What if Glenn started using that language? What if Glenn sort of said, um, "I am, I, I am, I am not a murderer. I am a Christian." Would that tick you off? No, no. I'll tell you why. Because I know that Glenn murdered my father. We know exactly who we are. He put a bullet in Dad's shoulder, and Dad has never, you know, waken up, so to speak. Um, but I don't look at Glenn and go, there is the murderer. I look at him, and I know he murdered my father. I see Glenn Flett, who, like me, is a, is a parent and a grandparent. And so that is, you know, that's him. That's who he is. And essentially what matters to me, quite frankly, is, is he real? I mean, is he real? Is he, like, really and truly, I thought, oh, oh my God, you know, years ago when I read that Glenn became a Christian, I thought, well, he's found Jesus. If he needs to find Jesus, Lord, love him if it helps him. He ain't that great. And then that's fine. That's okay. But upon meeting and recognizing that we actually do share Sabona, a shared humanity, we see each other, and something along with that, the first, the first day I met him, we went to dinner. I, I went to dinner at their house. And his daughter at the time, uh, Victoria, she was like all of nine years old. I went to the bathroom. I come back. Well, well, later on, they told me, Victoria said, Daddy, she's just like you. <laughs> now, that, Glenn might have wanted to put a bullet in his head at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being crazy. But, you know, like, yeah. the, like we, we share something. We, we actually share a genuine friendship. I don't know why. But it's real, and I'm not really known for, like, accepting crap. It's just not me. Yeah. So I meet this person. He's real. So he's a Christian. That doesn't bother me. That's his choice. And, and that's his... That, that's yeah, but hold on, Margo. He is not, he's not just a Christian. When I sussed Glenn out a little bit online here, Glenn, you, you're still a meathead. You're still a dude. You're still... Like, you're not a shiny, polished, happy, clappy, Thanks praise God. the Lord kind of... No, I'm a human being. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I think I think mm-hmm. I think that helps a lot, Margot. You know, if oh you bet, right? Oh okay. you bet. Well, it's like friendship, right? So I mean, I've got I've got friends that are like nuns and priests and all this, and but it's like friendship. You choose the people that you feel comfy with, that you feel safe with, that yep. you can have yep. like real conversation with. And yes, it's crazy, but Glenn happened to put a bullet in Theodore's shoulder. I mean, really? Even I go, really? I, I can't make it up. Yeah. This is a person I like. Sherry, mad woman. She's crazy. We call her, you know, bull in a china shop. She pressed send, you know, on a moment. Anything could have happened. But her choice was just, like, superb. I, I, I love that. That's poetic. Mm-hmm. That's poetic to me. So we, we, we actually are real people sitting down as real people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's why I when I saw Anne-Marie Medawake interview you guys, I said, okay, got to have... First of all, I love Anne-Marie, and you and I talked about the fact, just the fact that Anne-Marie popped out triplets as a little tiny, tiny squirt (laughs) of a girl, just a little (laughs) human being, and she had triplets, you know, that's enough to say, she's awesome. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, listen, guys, I want to thank you for, for, for doing this, because you could easily just do this privately. You could have just 
met up and wrote each other and and hugged and and just and then you know been pen pals and no one else would have known about this but your story is inspirational your story and i think one of the main reasons is is because you're both really authentic you're both still very messy people and and uh, the guy i know named mike yaconelli wrote a book called messy spirituality and the quote out of it that i use all the time is that messy Christianity is the spirituality, sorry, messy spirituality is the Christianity most of us live, but few of us admit. And you guys are both very non-polished human beings, and I love this story because of that. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Thank you very, very kind. Much. Thanks. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, if you want to follow more of this, you can go to linksociety.bc.ca, L-I-N-C, society.bc.ca. That website is on our website as well. Just click on today's show and you'll see all the information there. And then, of course, Sabona, S-A-W-B-O-N-N-A. Dot wordpress.com s-a-w-b-o-n-n-a dot wordpress.com you can certainly get a hold of margo there uh follow her work read her work uh, maybe bring these guys to your organization your school or whatever you're going to get real stuff uh behind margo and glenn guys thank you for being on our show, show today it really was an honor thank you well, thank right you back at you drew thank okay. you thank you very much bye guys bye 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 glenn bye bye